Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. My guest today is Julie Monroe, and I have followed Julie on her Instagram account, which is Wife Mom Warrior, for a while, and I have been so inspired by her determination. On her Instagram account, she calls herself a warrior against rectal cancer, as she is currently undergoing treatment to fight this cancer. She's also a wife and a mother to three daughters, and I'm excited to share her story with you. So welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. We're excited to hear from you. Okay, so just to start off, I mentioned that you have three daughters. Can you just tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. Um, I've been married to my husband, Chad, for 14 years, and we met in high school and our high school sweethearts. There was a brief break in there where we broke up for a while, but more or less, we've been together since high school, Um, and we have three daughters. Our oldest is Kaylee. She's 12. Then Aiden is eight, and our youngest is Quinn, and she is six years old. And we live in Southern California, um, and we love it. There's so much to do here that we really just enjoy going out and exploring our local hikes and parks and beaches and museums. And we're sort of wannabe foodies, and so we always try to find new restaurants and try new things and just like spending time together. Well, Southern California is a great place to be a foodie. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of options here. <laughs> yeah, there's just lots to do there. We That's our favorite getaway place, so we love Southern California. Okay, so how? tell us about being a mother. How would you describe your parenting philosophy? My parenting philosophy? Well, I feel like I have to first say that I'm definitely just winging it. And so I don't we think We all that, are. I know. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly a philosophy, winging it, but um, definitely it's a journey. And, you know, I'm definitely learning so much every day as, as time goes on. But I feel like my parenting philosophy is best described as positive parenting. We try to be really positive in everything we do around here and with our girls. You know, if they're in trouble, we try not to get too mad or or, you know, to be too harsh with our words, mm-hmm. um, you know, because our kids are still, they're learning and they're growing. And, um, you know, they, I don't know, I've just seen so much how negativity can really just breed negativity. And so I really want to have a positive environment for our girls to learn in and to show them that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Life goes on. You can try again tomorrow and have a better day um, next time. That's great. Yeah, there's um, nothing wrong with being positive, I'm sure. And I'm sure that's helped you in the last two years, having yeah, having definitely. already created that positive environment. So two years ago, you were healthy, 36-year-old, and then you were diagnosed with cancer. I'm sure, you know, you're totally in shock yourself, but you also have these three three girls that are young. You have to tell them what's going on. What was their reaction? How did you tell them? How did you work through through that? Really, um, when I was first diagnosed, um, it's difficult because you kind of find out you have cancer and you're shocked and you don't know what to think. And then it's sort of this waiting game because there's a long time period where you have to see all of these other doctors, right? you know, and so there's all of these medical appointments that come up. And so my husband and I, when we were, you know, saying prayers together and different things, we felt 
prompted that we need to be open and honest with our girls and tell them exactly what's going on, let them know what to expect as best that we knew what to expect. So we did decide, though, to wait until I had had kind of all of those initial appointments and until we had a more concrete treatment plan so that we kind of knew, okay, this is treatable. This is how we're going to treat it. This is kind of what it's going to look like during treatment. And once we knew all of that, we sat our girls down um, in the family room. They were 10, 6, and 4 at the time. And so we sat them down and we explained cancer. Of course, the younger two had never even heard the word cancer. My oldest had heard cancer. And unfortunately, like most of us, when you hear cancer, sometimes you think death right away. Right, right. You know, you just go there. Um, And so I know she kind of went there immediately and was scared. She got kind of emotional, um, but she's very shy and timid. So she didn't, she didn't say too much, but I could tell it was really affecting her. But we sat the girls down and we told them, look, mommy is very sick. Um, I have cancer. It, I will get better, but it's going to be a long road to getting better. There's going to be a lot of medicines I have to take and a lot of things that I have to do. The medicines are going to make me sick and I'm going to have to sort of get sicker before I can get better. And so the younger two were so sweet. Oh, mommy's sick. Poor mommy, you know, and they were just the best little nurses for me all the time checking up on me. How are you feeling, mom? Um, But Kaylee, our oldest, it was a little more difficult. My husband and I had to make kind of, we made conscious efforts to touch base with her a little bit more on a one-on-one level and to ask her, you know, hey, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? How are you feeling? Because she did kind of keep a lot of it inside. But then it was just, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You just have to start treatment and kind of get right into it right. and go for it. And so we all were learning <laughs> through treatment of, of how to deal with it. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. It, it sounds like you were treated them as individuals. You know, you told them all, but you, you had to go back and, and say, okay, this one's a little more sensitive and we've got to handle it this way. And so I really, I really love that. And it must've been difficult. I mean, when you were having hard days dealing with it yourself, how did you still be a mom and hold on to that? I think really, I was so blessed to have a lot of help around us. Right. And so we had a lot of help with people bringing meals even bringing stuff from the store, taking my kids to and from school, taking them to extracurricular activities, or even just taking them over to play for a while just so I could get some rest. And so really, I had to shift my lifestyle to, okay, I can't do it all anymore. Yeah, uh, I need to rely on these other people to help me. And the blessing of that really was that then when my kids were home, I had time and energy that I could devote to them. I could spend maybe while they're at school resting. And when they got home, I could still be mom. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as energetic as I was used to. Maybe some days I was just laying on the couch because that's all I could do that day. But they could come and sit by me and snuggle with me. Or maybe we would just sit and color at the table and I could still be there for them and as much as I could. Yeah, I know you shared with me before that you you had to give up the I'm being the perfect mom. That was the only way to get through that. Was that hard for you? That was that was really hard because I'm a a bit of a control freak. And so you know, I, you know, you have this plan for your life of how things are going to go and what your life is going to look like and all the things I'm going to do as a mom and I was going to be there for everybody for everything all the time. Cancer comes. Um, 
more, I should say the treatment for cancer comes and all of a sudden all of that stuff stops. And I just literally did not have the extra energy to do extra things. Right. And so I had to change my perspective and really focus on what's most important, which was my husband and my kids putting them first and what energy I did have needed to be spent with them. But it was hard because I felt like I, I was a bit of a failure as a mom for a while. And I know that's kind of unrealistic, you know, you're sick, but still you have this mom guilt of, oh, there's a class party at school today. Usually I, I help at those things. And I just, I don't have the energy to do that right now. And so, you know, my kids would be sad. Oh, you can't come, you know, to my volleyball game today. I'm so sad. And I was so sad too, that I was missing out on these things. Um, and it, it's been really hard. Yeah, but I, th- I think you bring up a- another good point. <laughs> I keep saying yeah. that, but you really, this is really good. That sometimes we get in a crisis situation and we just get to the basics and we just cover the basics. And that's really, when you think about it, that's really all we need. I yes. mean, all the extra stuff isn't really in the long run going to matter. Right. And so, so whether you have cancer or you have a brand new baby or, you know, you're going through a job loss or any kind of crisis in life, you know, that's, that's a good perspective to have that, hey, we're just going to focus on the most important things. Right. And, and that's what's going to get us through. And so it's good to remember that in the good times, too. You know, that, oh, yeah. okay, this extra fluff that's causing me some stress, it doesn't matter. Right. Let's just focus on here's the things that are the most important. And um, I, think that, I think that's great that you, lo- that you learned that. And it's, I think it's something that applies to all moms, no matter what you're going through. Oh, definitely. So you also mentioned that you had a lot of help. There were, you know, you had to give up the perfect mom and that I'm going to do this all on my own and I can do everything. And you had to have people come in and help you. What advice would you give to someone who knew someone like you going through something hard? How would you want someone to help you? I think um, for me, it was a very humbling experience. I'm um, pretty stubborn and I'm always one of those people who's like, no, I got this. I I can do it, you know, and I can do it myself. And I've always been that way. So it was, it was very humbling to take a step back and to realize I can't do this by myself. Uh, We do need some help. And people are so willing to give service and to help you. My advice would be let people help you, let them in. My girls learned so much about receiving service and about, you know, then thanking people for that service. Also, one thing that I wanted to mention, because what I really appreciated from people was them treating me normally still, because when you have cancer at first, I felt like I had a big sign on my back that said, I have cancer. And I felt like everybody was looking at me and knew, oh, that, that mom right there, she has cancer. And I know that was just in my head. But I felt that's what I really felt like. And so when people, and it is awkward, you know, you don't know what to say. You don't know how to act around people. But what I really appreciated the most was, was those people who still, you know, called me or sent me a text or just stopped by and said, hey, what's up? How are you? How are you doing? Is there anything we can do for you? And I just really appreciated, appreciated all of that. Because I, I, at the end of the day, yes, I had cancer, but cancer is not, me. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't define me. you. Yeah. You're right. still, you're still a person and, and you still right. have needs. And I'm sure you totally appreciated those people that just reached out and, and that's oh. great advice. Even if you feel awkward, just reach out and, yes. and the person that you're reaching out to can, can let you know what they need. What right. They need and help maybe, with. 
you know, you can even say to them, oh, I don't know if you want to talk about cancer or not. You can ask them because I guarantee they'll be honest with you. Of, yes. You know, I don't feel like talking about it. Or, you know, I, like for me, I'm pretty open about it. And you can ask me anything about the cancer, the treatment, anything like that. And um, it doesn't bother me at all. It's actually kind of therapeutic to me. Yes. <laughs> um, to talk about it. And that's kind of why I started the Instagram account and my blog just to it's it is it really has helped me to kind of get it out there and put it down yeah. and write about it and then sort of release it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's why it, and, and someone else may not want to talk about it. Maybe they just want to talk about what they watched on TV last night or mm-hmm. whatever. So it is important, I think, to just ask the person, but make them feel like a person. You know, they yes. are still a person and, and make them feel that way and that you care. So what, what do you think is the best thing that someone's done for you? Oh my goodness. The best thing. <laughs> that's a tricky question. I don't know. You know, what was really helpful for us was, you know, we have a family to feed every day. And there were many nights we had cereal for dinner and that's totally okay. But what was super helpful was we had a friend from church actually who set up meals to be brought in three times a week. And honestly, I didn't think that that was going to be that big of a deal. And I kind of felt bad accepting that offer for help because I felt like people are so busy. They have so much going on in their own lives. And I know what a chore it can be sometimes to make dinner. And now they're making it for another family and bringing it by. But that was honestly so great for us because people would bring in this meal. We wouldn't have to think about what are we having. We'd be getting, you know, nutritious meals still. We'd be able sit down together as a family and eat and also no dishes to clean up. So that was great. That that's a huge stress reliever. I mean, that's like one of the hardest things about being a mom is cooking dinner. Yeah, I mean, it might seem kind of like a small thing, but it was really, really helpful for us. It it just really was I could focus on other things, you know, helping the girls with their homework and just spending energy doing other things that um, were more enjoyable than having to, you know, cook dinner or something. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So your daughter's how how have you seen what have you seen them learn from this experience that your family's gone through? How have they grown in the last two years? Oh my goodness, they've they've grown up a lot. They've had to become a little bit more independent because you know I just wasn't able to do all the things I used to do. And at the same time, though, I think it was good for all of us because I also realized, hey, these girls, I'm not giving them enough credit. They can be responsible and they can help out around here, you know, clean the bathroom, do some laundry, do the dishes. You know, we really learned that we're all in this family together, almost, you know, like we're a team We're we're we need to keep this family going and we all help each other out. And so they've really become more independent. They become more willing to help out. I think, you know, when they see mom sick, it's kind of scary and, um, you know, it's not normal and, and they get a little, they get a little nervous when mom doesn't feel good. And so when they would see me sick, they actually would step up a little more and help out with things. So, so definitely they've learned to, to pitch in. And I, I like that, what you said about your family is a team, you know, you have yeah. to work together when mom can't do everything. That, right. That's good for your girls. I'm right. sure. And I, I think they've also learned to be more compassionate to other people. Mm-hmm. For sure, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we all have because I know, especially, um, you know, when someone doesn't look sick, it's hard sometimes to be compassionate towards them because you think, oh, you look okay. I'm sure you're you're doing just fine. And that was kind of my case. Um, the type of chemo I did, I didn't lose all my hair. And so that's the first thing people think of when yeah. they hear chemo. You think, oh, they're going to lose their hair and be bald. 
well, my type of chemo, that doesn't happen. And so people would always say to me, oh, you look so good. Oh, you look great, you know? And I'd be like, so sick. <laughs> and, and thinking, oh, I wish I felt better because I really don't feel good. But, um, you know, it helped, it, it's helped us to realize, you know, that just shows us you never really know what's going on in someone's life. You never really know the things that they're going through. And so even with my girls, I've noticed they are a lot more compassionate to people if they see somebody who's hurt or who's sick, you know, they have kind of that more tender spot for them now, willingness to like help other people and to try to help them feel better too. Yeah, we really don't, we don't know what people are going through right? ever. And so it's just a great practice to just be kind. And it's, and it really sounds like your girls are learning that. I hope so. (laughs) The kindness and the compassion. You've talked about what your girls have learned and what have you learned in the last two years? I, I think the biggest thing for me that I have learned is that it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to things. You don't have to do everything. Um, before having cancer, like I said before, I was kind of as a mindset of trying to do it all. And I realized it's, you can't do everything. It's okay to, to know your limitations and then to just tell people, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Do you have, do you have an example of that? When you've said um, no, how you've learned that? Oh, goodness. Let me think. I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Gosh, there's so many things. The things that I think of the most are kind of with maybe with things at church or with things at school where people have wanted um, help with something. And I just, I can't do it. And I have to be honest with them and say, look, I'm, I would love to help you out with this project, but I just, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to do, to do that right now. And it's hard because you, you know, sometimes you're, at least for me, I'm kind of a people pleaser. You know, you want everyone to be happy and you want to be able to help them. But I think I've learned that I have to take care of myself first, because if I'm not taking care of myself, then I can't take care of anybody else. Yes. And then after me comes my, my husband and my kids. So if, you know, I'm taking care of myself and then I'm taking care of them and no offense, but everyone else, sorry, you kind of come after that. Yeah. And that goes back to what we talked about before. Mm -hmm. You just, you just go back to the basics and you just do the most important things and you don't worry about the rest of it. So that's a great lesson again, that applies to any mom. You have to learn to say no so that you can take care of yourself and your family first. And then if there's time after that, you know, we can, we can do those other things. And that's, that's a great perspective to learn that. So what would you tell to tell someone who's where who's where you were two years ago? Maybe they're just being diagnosed with something really big like cancer. What, what, what advice would you give them to get through that? I would tell them it, it actually makes me emotional even still to think about it because mm-hmm. it's such a terrifying time. It's so scary. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what to expect. And I would just say to someone, breathe, take it one day at a time. Uh, sometimes you have to take things just one hour at a time. Sometimes you're so sick, maybe you're waiting for some medicine to kick in to help you feel better. Just take it one hour at a time. Take it slow. And again, just focus on things that are your top priorities, the most important things to you. Don't worry about everything else. Everything else will get done. Also, I think keep your faith. Keep keep your faith in that you will get through this. That's something that's really hard to do because it is such a scary time. And especially with something like cancer, you know, you know, people do die from this. And so it's you're really kind of faced with your mortality right right then and there. There's a big part of me that wanted to just lay in bed and not get out and kind of hide from it all and think, okay, I'll just lay here and I don't have to deal with this. 
But the fact of the matter is you do have to deal with it. And if you want to live, then you have to do these treatments. You have to do these things to get better. And definitely focusing on my girls and my husband is what got me through that. Focusing on them. This is why I'm doing this. This is hard. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. But you can do it. You can get through it. Just take it one day at a time. Yes, that's kind of the theme of this interview is just you just keep going back to the basics and you just keep, like you said, one hour at a time, one one foot in front of the other, just right. doing what you can do. I know part of your treatment has been um, going through a surgery mm-hmm. and getting a colostomy bag. And I think there's a lot of stigma about that. And if you don't mind, I would love for you to share about that so that if someone in their life runs into someone who has that, that they'll know, they'll know how to react. They'll know that it's, you know, this is what it is. I mean, you, you did that not because you wanted to, but because it saved your life and it means that you're here for your girls. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Of course. Um, like you said, there is a big stigma around having a colostomy bag. Um, it literally is a bag that's attached to an opening in my stomach and that's where you go poop. And so I always say poop because my girls. It's okay. We're all moms. That's <laughs> right? what we say. Like everybody does it. So, um, you know, and actually that was a kind of a scary time for me as a mom was telling our girls about the surgery that I needed to have the surgery done and explaining it to them. And I was so nervous of how they were going to react to that. I was scared they were going to think, oh, that's so gross or they were going to be embarrassed. And really, we've all kind of learned along the way, but. Now I had surgery about two and a half months ago. And just in these past two and a half months, there's, there's been no embarrassment about it. They've treated me the same mm-hmm. uh, and loved me just the same. But definitely there is a stigma around it. People think, oh, if you have a colostomy bag, you're going to smell or you can't have an active life. Colostomy bags, I, from what I hear, the products have come a long way, uh, the medical supplies. So you don't smell Um, You can still have an active life. You can still go swimming. You can still fly in an airplane. You can do all of these things that anybody else can do. And the only thing that's going to stop you is yourself. Right. So, you know, if you are very insecure about it and just want to sit at home by yourself, then then that's what's going to happen. But if you can embrace it and say, look, this little bag that's attached to me 24-7, it has given me life. And I think for me, it's been really eye-opening of, of that it's given me life. And now I have a greater appreciation for everything in life. And I want to do more things. And I want to travel more. And this little bag is not going to stop me from doing that. And I think you can apply that to, to anything in life. I mean, cancer threw you a curveball. And, and I think it's important to note that this isn't a temporary thing for you. This is, right. you know, you're in your 30s and you're going to have this for the rest of your life. Right. But like you said you know, the, the other outcome would not have been good. This is saving your life. This is, this means you're going to be there for your girls. And so, you know, that's a great lesson for all of us. We all get curveballs thrown thrown to us. The life altering things happen and they can happen in an instant. Definitely. And this wasn't a choice. I really didn't have a choice. If If I did not have this surgery, I would die eventually. Cancer would eat me alive. Yeah. So I, I didn't have a choice in this. And so, um, you know, just realizing that and so embracing it. And hey, this is our new normal now. This is life. This is how it goes. Yeah, it's an inconvenience. Sure, there are little awkward moments, but really, this wasn't an elective surgery. So it wasn't it wasn't an option. I didn't have a choice. Well, I I think you're, you're handling it very positively. And I know that you sharing that you're part of that 
that part of your story is going to help other people. Thank you so much for being willing to talk about it. Um, Because I know it's helped me. If I run into someone like you or know someone that's going through that, I'll, I'll know better how to handle that. So just to wrap up, I always have one final question that I ask each guest. And that is how you've seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood. Yes. um, I, it's funny. I was thinking about this question and thinking back to when my kids were really little and everything is just so crazy busy all the time. And I thought I was, you know, kind of doing everything I was supposed to do. But now that I kind of look back on it, I realize that I didn't have as strong of a relationship with God as I really should. And it kind of took being diagnosed with cancer two years ago to really make me realize that and to do better. And so rather than, you know, I always kind of tell people, you know, and I've kind of realized in times like this, when you get some hard news or you're having a really tough time or a really hard trial in your life, you can either choose to look toward God for help or you can turn away from God. And so um, I really made the choice to choose to put all my faith in God. And I realized that he has a plan for me. And once I kind of submitted myself to him and said, okay, I, I'm here. What, what am I supposed to do? I felt his guidance along the way in everything, in everything in my life. I could see his hand in the doctors that I went to see, in the treatment plans, in getting a second opinion for cancer treatment, and, and also at home with our girls and how we handle things with our girls. I've just really seen it, seen God's hand in every aspect of my life now. Yeah, I'm sure that gave you a lot of perspective. And I love what you said about it's a choice. We can all make that choice to turn to him. And that's been a common theme that I've heard as I've been interviewing um, different moms for the podcast is that it's a choice and we can all make that choice and just take a small step. It doesn't take a lot. And, And then you'll be able to look back and see, oh, he's led me to this doctor or he helped me deal with this discipline problem with my child. He's there. Yes. I actually have this quote, um, and it's short. It's from President Thomas S. Monson, and it says, Whether it is the best of times or the worst of times, he is with us. He has promised that this will never change. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I wrote that out, and I kept it with me all the time. And I still even have it with me all of the time. And when I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling afraid, I'll just read that. And it's just a good little reminder that we aren't alone. He's always with us. Yes. And I like I like how that quote says it's in the good times and the bad times, like right. all the time. He's always there. He doesn't move. Only yes. us. So yes. we can just turn to him. And I love that you're that you cling on to that and just hold on to that hope because he is there. Well, Julie, this has been so great. I know that your story will inspire someone. And thank you for being willing to share. Oh, thank you for having me. This was fun. Okay. Thanks so much. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.